these kids. You are listening to the SDSU Basketball Podcast, hosted by Austin Tark and co-hosted with Paul Garrison, brought to you by the East Village Times. Hello, Aztec Nation. Welcome to the San Diego State Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Tark, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Garrison. And today we have another special interview as we have Jared Barnett on the podcast. Jared, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Really good. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you. As we were saying before, uh, before the interview, we've interviewed Kate Alger and Tristan Broughton, and we've just really loved getting to know players on the team at a little bit of a deeper level. So we're looking forward to learning about you and asking some, some, some fun questions as well. So on that note, I'm just going to get right into the fun questions. Uh, we usually save this segment till the end of the podcast, but uh, we're going to bring it up early on. So we call it Instagram stalking. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at Cade's page, I saw he's super good at cornhole. Mm-hmm. And I saw Tristan's page and he's a car fanatic. Looking through you, I struggled to find like a hobby besides I saw a great music taste. Mm-hmm. But there is one thing that stood out. You have a great fashion game. Yeah. So I'm going to hit you with the difficult questions early on. Okay. Who do you think has the best fashion on the team? Oh, on the team, including me or, or outside of me? You could say you. Ah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm going to say, I'm going to say AG probably. Okay. okay. I like, I like AG style. He could, he mixes it up a lot. He do different, different styles, different, uh, different types of pieces going on. So I like, I like AG style. Would you vote for yourself as well? Of course, yeah. Okay, good. All right, good. <laughs> okay, now I'm an old guy, so I learned a new word recently: drip. Drip. Uh-huh. Drip. So we asked Tristan, you know, the same question. He didn't pick AG. He picked you. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, really? uh, yep, he did. And he said, he said though that you have an unfair advantage. Why is that? Well, he said the unfair advantage is that you have a small shoe size. Ah. Uh, and so, how important to your drip? Did I use it right? Uh-huh. Yeah, is <laughs> being able to get a wider variety of shoes. It's it, that's pretty that's very important. Uh, you know, a lot of dudes on our team are bigger, so they got you know 15, 16 size shoe. So it's hard to uh, it's hard to find certain stuff. So yeah, I definitely have a a, a wider uh, wider variety to be able to choose from. I like it. Would you consider yourself a sneakerhead? You know, it's funny. I was just talking about this with somebody the other day, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I would. I like shoes and uh, I definitely like like to get different shoes, but I'm not I don't really collect. I wouldn't call myself like a collector. I feel like sneakerheads, they like to collect and, you know, hold, hold them, not wear them, stuff like that. Every every shoe that I get, I pretty much wear them for the most part. So, yeah. All right. So to change the topic here, who's your hero or someone that you look up to? My hero, um, I'll say growing up, one of my pers- uh, one person I looked up to was Kobe. So uh, you know, just when I was when he was in his prime, I was just like a, I was a little kid, you know. So that was just like 
it was just like, and then also growing up in LA, he was a big, he was a big figure in LA. So Kobe was always just somebody I looked up to, you know, watching his games, finals in 09, 2010. That was just, uh, that was a big role model for me. Now your LinkedIn site um, says that you're expected to have a master's degree in marketing by May, 2023. Um, are, you, are you still on pace to reach that goal? I actually switched my major to uh, communications. So and, I'm, I'm a communications major now, but yeah, I'll still be uh, graduating in 2023. Now is, is, and is that same that's still like the, with the master's degree? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So like you had to hustle to be able to finish a little bit early, man. Um, wh- what was that process to be able to, to get a master's degree in just the time that you've been at state? Um, you know, it's just, just hard work really, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of work being on the road, practice, weights, all that stuff. You got to find time to uh, to get your academics in too. But uh, that also a lot of credit to our academic advisors. Uh, you know, Miss Kelly, she she helps us a lot with that. Um, she travels on the road with us too sometimes. And she just makes sure, she's always looking out for us, making sure we know what we, what we have to do at, at what time and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then coming into San Diego State, you received interest from Pepperdine and San Jose State. Mm-hmm. What was your reason for choosing SDSU? Um, I really just had had pretty pretty light interest from from those schools and a couple other like D two schools and San Diego State. Uh, uh, Coach Jay, he was just the one who who was really in the in the most contact with me, and I felt like he he really wanted he really liked me and really wanted to give me a chance here at San Diego State. And uh, also, it's just the city, San Diego, can't get much better than that. No argument, no argument for me, man. Um, so we've gotten some good insight, man, on the scout team, and you know, Cade and, and Tristan. Neither of them were satisfied with with being just on the scout team, right? They always have those ambitions for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely want to ask about your ambitions and and things of that nature. But um, your role is to be part of the scout team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk about your um, time on the team and then also just the importance that being that scout player and, and doing all of that part and how it helps the team to win? Um, you know, before before each game, you know, we'll watch film uh, on the other team. And then um, it's just a lot of our, you know, our team is is a lot of defense we really hang our heads on defense. So we lost a lot of a lot of the other teams' offense and then just try to uh try to replicate that team's offense as best as we can in practice. But then also uh it's just basketball at the end of the day. So just going up going up against them in practice every day just really helps to to prepare, prepare the starters and stuff for the uh for the upcoming game. Well take me uh, with like a just a few more of the details of that. So like you know, you guys have a Saturday game, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're gonna turn around and have a Wednesday game following that. Like, what is the what is the how much film do you watch on that next game when they're doing the install, or how exactly does that work? So we, uh, you know, Coach Dutch and other assistant coaches, Dave and Act, they they always say taking one game at a time. So we never really look ahead past the the game that we have next. But say you said we play on a Saturday. Then the next the next uh, Sunday will probably just be a walkthrough and film. The film will probably be longer than the practice most of the time, so we get to really really lock in on that on that Sunday on the film, 
and then uh Monday just go out and uh and compete in practice with uh with the with the opposing team's game plan. So through your three seasons, you've kind of kept this role where you've been on the scout team. Um and this is kind of the reason why we do this podcast to ask answers such as questions such as this, just to really figure out like what motivates these guys. So considering you've been here for three seasons now, what is your drive? What pushes you to show up every day and give it your all every day in practice? Uh, I would say it's really just the, the love for the game and just the love to uh, the drive to want to want to do more, you know, only way to only way to be able to perform in the game and you know getting a rotation in the game is if you perform in practice. So uh, that that just keeps me driving. And also, no matter I feel like no matter what your role is, it's just when you get on the basketball court. No matter what uh, what your role is uh, on game day, if you get on the basketball court and they say you go compete against somebody, you're gonna go compete. So that's uh, that's what keeps me going. I like it. Uh, and then getting on the court. I mean, normally you'll, you'll be in an end of games, um, but January 1st this year in the first conference game against UNLV, you got some early mm -hmm. action. Lamont was uh, mm -hmm. still injured. I believe Trey Pulliam was a late scratch due to illness. Uh, you came yeah. in and played some minutes as backup point guard. What did that game show you uh, just to be always prepared? Um, yeah, that's just, that's, that's, you just, just basically said you always got to be ready whenever your uh whenever your opportunity comes it was when we were warming up for the game Lamont was really supposed to play that game and he warmed up and then he said his his wrist wasn't uh wasn't quite feeling right so then uh Dutch and, and Adcat came up to me before the game and they were just like you're gonna you're gonna play today and I was that's what I that's what I've been waiting for so you know you always gotta always gotta be ready for your opportunity uh asked coach Dutcher after the game about you and, and playing. And he said that he wished that he'd given you more minutes playing, you know, with, with the game plan that San Diego state had run, as opposed to running what UNLV had run. I mean, how hard is that to make that transition between um, doing what you do on the scout team to being able to then go and I guess master both of them. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge, you know, but it, it really just takes a lot of uh, a lot of you got to be locked in mentally. So, you know, just just to be able to to switch in, switch uh, from different game plans. It doesn't it's not too hard for me. I, uh, I think I have a, a pretty high basketball IQ and I'm uh, I'm able to, to switch back and forth pretty smoothly for the most part. And then I don't know if you quite saw it today. Uh, I'm sure you did. But the team just added Micah Parsons or Micah Parrish, sorry, a transfer from Oakland to the roster. Mm -hmm. um, with the addition of him, and if Mensa, Nathan Mensa returns, that's all the scholarships to be given out on the roster. Mm -hmm. So as of now, the team only has Lamont Butler, Darian Trammell, and Adam Seiko as the ball handlers. So now that there might be an opportunity for you, what do you do in this offseason to potentially have a larger role? Um, it's just work. That's all it is, for real. You got to uh, – we've been in the gym – Every day, you know, we're in, we're in about to start finals this coming week, but we still, I just got back from the gym right now, uh, uh, right before I hopped on the Zoom. So it's just work, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in the weight room a little bit more, put on, put on some weight, get a little bit bigger, uh, work on my handle a little bit and just come back in this summer, um, you know, ready to, 
ready to, to take some minutes. It's also on your Instagram page, man. There was a uh, one called transitional training. Uh, and there was a physical trainer, Alex cost who uh, used to work at state. Yeah. Um, but you were f- featured man doing these crazy core workouts with uh, some teammates and um, it looked like, man, you were working out muscles that most of us don't even know exist. <laughs> yeah, so can you tell us, you know, just the behind the scenes of that workout and, you know, how that keeps you um, at your best? Um, yeah, working out with Alex, that was a that was a pretty interesting experience, actually. That was it was last after after the end of last season. So the 2021 season and it was still it was still, uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it was still, right. you, couldn't, you couldn't get in the gym whenever you wanted and stuff. So we was actually working out like in parking lot in the parking structures around, around SDSU, just getting in the gym wherever we could. And, you know, uh, I like, I liked working out with him. He always, he always kept it interesting. He was making me do stuff that I had never done before. So it was new to me, just like how it's new to you right now too. Yeah. You know, but that's always good uh, to to test your body, test your limits, and you know you're always trying to trying to do more. Do you still do some of those workouts now in your training? Mm-hmm, definitely, nice. like it. Uh, and then you just mentioned the pandemic um, with the things you had to do right there to train in the off season. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about the difficulties of playing during a COVID season? I mean, you had one normal season two years ago where the team went thirty and two, and then mm-hmm. it got killed at the end. But what has the last two seasons been like for you? Um, well, the my second season was definitely a lot, a lot harder. You know, no fans in the arena. There wasn't really anybody on campus, so it's like all we could all we could do is really be in the gym and go home. That's basically it. So that was definitely hard. Um, but you know, I think we have a. We have a team that likes to be around each other. So that made it easier, you know, in the games. There was no fans in the arena. So it was like the team was all we got. And I think we got a pretty a close, a close knit uh team. So we were all, you know, pulling for each other. And it was it made it that made it a lot easier. But you know, the testing, COVID testing and all that stuff, you know, that uh that gets a little bit annoying sometimes. Mm-hmm. That is a very kind way of putting it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I've talked to uh, Dave Velasquez um, a few times, and, and he talks about the importance of getting better at basketball, but having fun while you're getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from a player's perspective, what does that look like? How does that happen? How that culture at San Diego State to have fun and to get better at basketball? I think for me, at least, it's just competing. Like whether you're in a workout, whether you're just shooting with somebody, you know, just say like, oh, first one to make 10 or, you know, first one to make five layups or something like that. That that keeps it fun for me just being able, being able to compete. And I think a lot of or I would say everybody on our team has a competitive nature. You know, everybody wants to win. So if you're whether it's in just shooting or you're in the scrimmage or anything like that, just going at the going at the next the next guy and you know, trying to make each other better. That, that keeps it fun. Yeah. Winning is fun. Um, so speaking with Caden, with Tristan, man, they put an emphasis on the importance of family in their life. 
um, as a big part of their why, you know? Um, so whether it's the ASIC family, your own, man, can you tell us the role that family plays um, in, in just this drive to um, be a Division One athlete? Uh, family definitely plays a big part. Um, you know, I have a, I have a, I have three siblings, older sister, and I have two little brothers as well. And uh, one of my brothers, he's, he's in eighth grade, he's about to go to high school. And he just, he's always, you know, trying to play me one-on-one. He's trying to, uh, always trying to be better than me. And uh, my dad had told me a couple of weeks ago that he was, he had a project at school and uh, the teacher had asked him who, who like his biggest influence was. And he said it was his big brother, me. So that yeah. just, uh, that really touched me. And, you know, to know that you always have somebody looking up to you, that just drives you to, to be a better person. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so before you mentioned that you've tra- you've switched over to be a communication major, great choice. That's what I am as well. Uh, do you have any plans for using this degree after college or when the ball stops bouncing for you? Um, not, not exactly sure, but I would, I'd like to, I like to get into maybe like sports journalism or like, uh, um, being a commentator or something like that. Well, as someone who's all who's graduating in two weeks, I also hate that question. Uh, but you're welcome to join us at East Village Times to be a sports journalist whenever you want. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so watching you in the pregame warmups, you know, you have a lot of bounce. <laughs> a little bit, a little no, bit. <laughs> no, no doubt you do, man. Um, excited, excited for the article that's coming out, man. You get to put some of them, some of them out there. They got some good, good shots of you, man. Yeah. Um, but can you just tell us about, you know, the pregame dunk lines and all the things that you guys do to, to just get the arena hype for that, that beginning of the game? Um, I think, I think it's more, we're just hype ourselves. Like gotcha. we're not even, it's not even really about the arena and the fans. I think it's just us really being excited for the game. So to get in, get in the warm up lines and, you know, turn up everybody, you want to see everybody dunk and all that stuff. So, that's that's what really gets us going. And then the show too. The show is great. You know, they they be at the games early watching the uh watching the layup lines and stuff. So that's that's pretty much what that how, is. How did it feel to have the students back last season? Oh, it felt great. It felt great. Like you know, the two seasons ago, it was hard sometimes to it was hard sometimes to, you know, get up for the game to, to get everybody going. But this this year we didn't we didn't really have too many problems with that. The show, the show and all the fans, everybody's great. So it was good to have everybody back. Love it. And then you mentioned two seasons ago. I'm gonna hit you with another difficult question. Uh, so you've played with some all-time Aztecs, players such as Malachi Flynn, Matt Mitchell, Matt Bradley, Jordan Shackle. Mm-hmm. Game on the line out of any Aztec, including yourself, you need a bucket. Who are you taking? That I've played with? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with Malachi. Okay. I'm gonna have to go with Malachi. He hit that. Uh, he hit that one against San Jose State. Yep. That one yep. was crazy. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Malachi. You said guys you played with. What about guys you haven't played with? Uh, you gotta go with Kawhi. 
Okay. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Easy answer. Oh, I was going to say, well, it's pretty, not a hard one here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so then I just, I follow up with, with that idea, man. Um, you've played with a lot of guards, um, you know, Malachi, KJ, um, Trey, mm-hmm. Lamont Butler. Um, what, what, what do you, have you taken from their games um, and kind of added to your arsenal? Um. I would say from uh from my freshman year, I think I learned a lot from from Malachi and KJ. Watching them, you know, I came in uh as a freshman. KJ was a senior, and then Malachi uh Malachi was a junior. So, you know, watching watching those mature mature guards, you know, they already played a lot of college basketball, and them just being being leaders too. Being being vocal on the on the court, whether it's in a game or in practice, you know, just be leading the team. That's that's what I learned a lot from them. Actually, one one other question, man. Um, for that last one for me, mm-hmm. um, I, I leadership's a big deal for you, and you can you know you you're a leader. Mm-hmm. How how do you um, as a non scholarship athlete, right? Um, how do you lead? the Aztecs, um, even though your role on the court hasn't been great yet? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, honestly, I think it's just building a building a relationship with your teammates. Like, you're not really going to listen to somebody that you don't have a, a good relationship with. So, you know, I think just being here over the years, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty cool with everybody on the team. And then they also know that in practice, I'm a, I'm going, I'm going to go at them. So I think they respect me for that. So I think that, uh, that makes it a lot easier if you, if you respect it on, on the court and off the court, that makes it a lot easier to, to be a leader. And then final question here, this question seems to stump everyone we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Tell ASIC fans one thing that we don't know about you. This could be a hobby, a talent, or something about your identity, something that would be of interest. Mm. So you say a hobby or a talent? And it can be anything. We did something we don't know about you. This is your chance to shine. <laughs> the only one that's kind of been a little bit shady is Tristan told us after a long pause about his dog. And, and we, kind of, <laughs> we, we kind of were left going, I don't know how much you love Max. If it can't, you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, what did Kay say? He said he's a great guy and he's really approachable guy to talk to. <laughs> you don't like that answer. <laughs> I'll say uh, I got one. I like to I like to make music on my free time. Oh, that's cool. Like uh, beats or rapping over them? Uh, I'll be rapping. Yeah, I love it. You know, now, you is there pay- is there any way that that people can hear any of this? They're not they're not released yet. They still okay. still in the vault, but maybe maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, come out. I love it. I love, love it. it. We'll, love we'll it. Remember that. Well, that that's all the questions we have from here. Is there anything else that you have for us? Anything you want to share? Nah, I don't think so. Oh, good. You, yeah. you just asked that question. You're right. Good point. Uh, I know Aztec Nation greatly appreciates this interview. Uh, I think we just learned quite a bit about you. And we're looking forward to maybe seeing some of this music uh, get released. We'll see. <laughs> but we're really looking forward to seeing you next season. Uh, this is, we see how much of a hard worker you are and we're hoping that your role is a little, is bigger next season. 
Appreciate that. All right. Well, that'll do it from here. Thank you so much, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. Well, another tremendous interview from Jared Barnett. Jared, thank you so much for coming on. We continue to learn more and more about the program, about a lot of these guys who we don't necessarily know a whole lot about them, but we know that the impact that they have on the team. Um, and I think something we really learned, as I touched on in the article I wrote, is the leadership that Jared Barnett possesses and how important that is for the non-scholarship athletes, for the scout team, um, because the scout team itself is such an important role for the team. And you need a leader within that system in order for the scout team to really succeed and to grow to its fullest potential. So, Paul, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What did you think about Jared and then his leadership in general um, and what that brings to the team? Well, as we were doing our typical social media stalking that we do in preparation, AK research, you know, whatever, whatever we're referring to in these days, when a non-scholarship athlete talks about the fact that he's a passionate leader on and off the court, um, it's interesting how to take that so that we brought that question in and it was, it was in all honesty, just like, is this, is this real? Like, are, are you seeing yourself as a leader on this team, given the fact that you don't have um, kind of the hallmarks of leadership in our culture, which is you have a position that somebody has given you or you've produced. And so people are looking at you. Right. And at San Diego State, he hasn't done any of the, those two things, especially in the public eye. And so for him to say, absolutely, he is a leader. He is thinking those ways. And the way he's able to lead is through the relationship that he's built over the years, I think is very, very powerful um, because you can't teach that. Like people are either able to do that and be a person who doesn't have the star power, doesn't have the, the, I guess, the acumen to get your attention right away and still be able to lead and still make it about people. Um, he, he just, that you can't, you can't put a price on that. I and mean, that's just absolutely um, incredible. And the fact that he has that. And so I thought it was very, very impressive that um, that element was there kind of, you know, piggybacking a little bit with, with the same idea when he talked about learning from some of the older guards who have now graduated. And when you think about, you know, creating a culture at San Diego state, and you think about how the culture can continue, even though there are now all of these transfers coming in and you think about, and you don't think about Jared Barnett being the person who's going to be able to pass the baton to the next generation of Aztecs. But I think that's exactly what you see. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis on what these non-scholarship players can bring to a program, I think is magnified considering the fact that so many players are going to be coming in and out of the program more so than probably what you've seen in the past. Um, and even, you know, relative to everywhere else in the country, you know, San Diego state is pretty stable, but nonetheless, it's still something that they're still dealing with. And they're lucky that a person like Jared is on the team. Totally. And uh, I had to read this quote. It's kind of strikes out to me. Not that I'm saying this in a negative way, uh, but you're only the famous quote, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I'm not calling Barnett a weakest link or the scout team, 
Um, but the fact that these are non-scholarship players and if the entire team can be strength, uh, can be strong, it's just gonna, it going to continue to grow and develop the team to the best of its abilities. And I think we saw it with Barnett being such a competitor, being such a good role model that when he brings this type of energy to practice and he's showing to these scholarship players, I'm coming for you and I'm going to win and I'm doing whatever I can. I might not be on scholarship or get play time, but I'm coming for you every day in practice. And that's just how everyone gets better alongside of you. Um, so I think that competitiveness is exactly how the type of thing where the baton gets passed to the next generation of non-scholarship players, but also just the scholarship players and well, or clearly must learn a thing, thing or two from him. Um, so I want to segue into his potential to now get an opportunity on this team. Um, he's had three seasons with the team and he has not quite found his footing. Um, but of course he is still working and he still has the dreams of getting a bigger role next year. And this seems like he has the potential. If there was a, a chance for a non-scholarship player to get, to get some more play time, I think we also said the same thing about Cade. Um, but with Barnett, this team only has uh, Darian Trammell, uh, Lamont Butler, and Adam Seiko as guards. Um, so if Barnett was able to um, have a big offseason, grow as, as a scorer, as a passer, and um, as a point guard in general, I could see him having a role this season. Um, and God forbid injuries happen to the team, um, but he would be next in line to absolutely help help if that was to happen. Um, so you tell me, what do you think of Barnett potentially having a larger role this season? Well, I mean, I would, I would add um, Matt Bradley to True. the list of guards that, that you would put on there. Um, I think you have to first just talk about that. It is absolutely um, an uphill battle, right? I mean, you're still talking about Adam Seiko, a guy who's been in the program, um, who's going to be, and I, I would argue, as a six-year player, is going to be as good as um, just about every freshman who's coming in in the country, no matter how many stars they have attached to their name. You're still going to be getting um, Lamont Butler, and I think you're going to get the best version of Lamont um, as he gets to the point where he is um, no longer the young guy. I think that's going to be huge. Um, Darian Trammell obviously is going to be coming in and, and the staff um, brought him in to, to play and to compete. Um, that said, I, I do agree that if all of the, from the outside of all of the non-scholarship athletes to have a spot, um, Jared would one seem to be the closest to playing already, considering the fact that he did play against UNLV in meaningful minutes in the first half. Um, and then I think that, you know, it, we are talking a numbers game and the numbers game favors, especially um, potentially early, it, it favors his position. Um, and then I think you also, you know, just factor in, um, and this is kind of foreshadowing our, our next podcast with um, Jordan Shackle and, you know, by the way, shout out Jordan. We've talked to Jordan Shackle. Surprise. Yay. Yep. <laughs> um, that's coming. But he talked about Jay red being, being a bucket getter and that, that he legitimately can play. Um, and so when you have, you know, a guy who is um, playing in the NBA talking about that, a guy's legit, he's probably legit. And so I think that bodes really, really well for him. Um, I mean, that said, I, I don't know that I would, I would, I would put money on him in Vegas. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so let's talk about one of his competitors uh, for that. Play, four more play time. 
Darren Trammell from Seattle University is joining the team. Um, that is one of the two transfers that the Aztecs have gotten in this offseason. And uh, we will discuss Parrish on a later podcast, uh, Micah Parrish. But Darren Trammell came in last year, had 17 points at Seattle, five assists, shot 34% from three and 82% from the free throw line. He seems like the score that this team needs. And last year when only Bradley was the only guy in double figures, um, Pulliam and Lamont Butler were, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I believe they were only averaging seven or eight points a game. Uh, this team needed a better score and, uh, and a more effective and more efficient score. And that's what appears to Tremel can be. He also seems like a guy who shoots uh, the three ball. He can drive in and get himself a bucket, um, but he's also a tremendous playmaker. And I think that that is the biggest thing that will be in addition to this team. Uh, he averaged five assists last season, as I just mentioned. And you look at SDSU point guards over the years, and there's not – when you look at the point the, – the database of point guards that they've had in the last 10 years or so, as far as the teams that have had the best Aztec teams, they've had a point guard who can both score and pass and be, be both, both of both both worlds uh, guys such as Malachi Flynn, DJ gay, Xavier Thames guys, the ability to do both set up for their team. It really, I think has created the best SDSU offenses. Um, when you have guys such as um, Devin Watson, Terrell Gomez, um, obviously tremendous scoring threats, but I think the passing ability is really going to open up this, open up the team a lot more, um, especially last season when Matt Bradley was so ball dependent. He had so many isolation sets that he needed more a guy there to help him out and to set him up. And Trey Pulliam, I thought was a pass first point guard, um, but he needed to be a scorer as well to really, uh, I think, have the offense be more effective. Um, so I'd love to hear what you think um, about what I just said about him potentially being a better um, needed to be more of a pass first point guard. Um, not, 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 didn't mean that It'd be both be a scorer and a passer. Uh, but then what his passing ability can do for the offense. Well, I just want to say, first of all, that I don't think that watching him and watching the, the tape that there, that there's a clear fit for him. Um, I don't think it's obvious. I, I think that when you look at his, his um, highlights, you look at what he did, you look at some of his games, um, he had the ball in his hands a lot and there's only one basketball and Matt Bradley needed 10 moves sometimes to be able to get a really good look. And so how those two are able to share the ball and have the ball in those, in those places, I think is, is really, really important. Um, and so I don't know that just looking at what he did at Seattle, that that's just super clear, like here's how he's going to plug in and he's going to fit right away. Um, and, th and there's a lot of questions. I mean, Lamont Butler, do, do you love him? Do you love him at the two? Because if, if you don't, if you don't love him at the two, then only him or Trammell plays the point guard and has the ball in their hands. And if Lamont Butler is ever going to be the person who's going to run the show, isn't it this year? So then if, 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 if that is the case, then is Bradley the two and now Trammell comes off the bench and becomes, and, and then you separate him from Bradley. And now both of them can control the rock and have it in their hands and it's not this competitiveness of who's there. So there's that route. There's that aspect of way it could go. Um, on the other hand, they might want to have two point guards and, and allow Butler and Trammell to kind of both play that combo guard, um, put Bradley, keep him there at, at the small forward, 
um, and then try to take some of that pressure and that load off of him to where he doesn't have to dribble 10 times. He can get some catch and shoot opportunities. He can do that. Um, but then you're foreshadowing into the, the, the next couple podcasts down the road when we're talking about Micah Parrish and then saying, okay, but that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be the catch and shoot guy. So I think that there's a lot of time. And um, I think that if you want to look at this coaching staff and say, why does it belong among the best coaching staffs in America? It's because of how well they've been able to blend different types of players and different types of teams and form um, something that's really good. And um, I would expect them to do that again, but I'm not on that coaching staff. And so I really don't see it yet. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I really don't see how he he's, he's not a plug in guy where it's just really, really obvious what it is that he can do. Um, And so I think that's, that's exciting because, you know, we're going to get to all see it develop. Um, But there's clear strengths. There's clear things that you like about his game, but can he be as good without the ball in his hands all the time? That's a great point. I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, you're right. He did seem very ball dominant. And when you had a guy like Bradley, it's tough to share. And we saw last year with Dutcher, he loved his two guard lineups. He loved having Pulliam. He loved having Butler. And wasn't that effective? I mean, they were not 170th ranked offense in the in the nation. Um, so, does he want to continue down that road, trying the two guard lineup again? We'll see. Um, I, I, you make a good point about the don't necessarily know if he's just a plug and play. He's ready right away. But from everything I've heard, he does seem like a total SDSU culture guy, um, where he just seems like a gym rat, uh, wants to be here, wants to win, and that alone get you minutes and get you, uh, get you on this team. Um, obviously he's not going to average 17 points and five assists next season. Um, that's just, it, it's, he's not, he's not gonna have the same role as Seattle, but if he has those kind of attitudes and he just wants to get better and he just wants to win, he's going to fit right in. Um, and then another thing I want to add is he seems to be a very good defender. Uh, he won, he was all defensive team and the horizon league last season. And Lamont Butler is one hell of a defender as well. If they did stick with those two guard lineups again, that could be a filthy duo um, between uh, between defenders. You're shaking your head now. Uh, I hear no, I am because I, I don't know why I have to be the bad guy in this. No, you're right. They, they like to switch everything one through five. Yep. He's not big. Five, ten. And, and so all of a sudden you get back to what Terrell Gomez was doing when he was here and you saw how they were not as effective being able to switch everything one through five when – Go, and, and Tigo fought and he did everything. And I have no doubt that, um, that Darren Trammell is going to do the same thing, but five, nine is five, nine. I mean, that's just, that's just different. And you're, you're switching out defensively um, polium for him. And I don't know how necessarily that is going to be. I, I just don't think that you can run out the same defense. I, I think that you have to be more selective about when you're switching onto your bigs, because again, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be, I mean, let, let's say Nathan Mensa comes back and, 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 you know, everyone gets what you want that way. Um, Tramel's on their point guard first switch. Now Tramel's on the center period. And that's what you would do all day. And so now you have to run a different defense and, 
this 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 comes back to the same question. Uh, it's not that it can't be done. He's a willing defender, um, but you have to, you're going to have to. They're going to have to build a different team than what they've done with Trey Polium. And I think it's a wildly underrated game um, part of uh, Polium's game. And I know he frustrated a lot of people um, because he just wasn't he just wasn't quite as good as everyone hoped, and they needed him to be. Um, but he did a lot of really, really, really good basketball things that I think are going to be missed. Um, and again, they, they still ask those questions about Tremel. Now I will say on, on a, on a, the things that, that I think it's, it's great about him. Um, he has a tremendous basketball IQ. It is very evident and you have to have that to be five, nine and to do all the things that SDSU is going to ask of him. So he has a tremendous basketball IQ. He understands angles. Um, I think he's fast. And I think that's an element that they missed, um, you know, early in the season, all season, every season, they, they talk about wanting to run and wanting to get some easy baskets. And um, I, that was not one of Polium's strengths. And it wasn't one of Butler's strengths either. Um, going and going from offense, from defense to offense fast. And he looks like he has that gear to be able to get them in transition a little bit more. And, you know, the way San Diego State plays defense, if you can get 10 points in fast breaks, that's worth 20 almost every other team. And so that's that's a really huge thing. Um, a, a positive, he's used to having the ball in his hand at the end of the shot clock. That takes tons of pressure off of Bradley. So Bradley doesn't have to be that guy all the time. And his efficiency can go up that way. He is a willing defender. Um, it's just going to have to be different. They're, they're going to have to protect him a little bit better. And this is, again, I think where you, where you get into, you know, an Adam Seiko who can recognize that while the ball's being swung back to get the guy into the post, he can quickly switch him out. Now he's the person down there, or you get, you know, um, Lamont Butler and you get, you know, those kinds of things. I think you also start to see again, the value of a player um, like Jared Barnett, who is not the biggest guy either, but who knows all of the kind of, the, who knows San Diego state system and he's going to be competing against him. And I think they're going to make each other better. So I think there's a lot of positive. It's just, I don't think it's this, um, you know, stat stuffing like, Hey, he had 17 and five San Diego state final four. I just, I just, it just doesn't work that way. And, yeah. um, and so I, you know, I think that, that that's going to be, the challenges the coaching staff has, and that's going to be the fun of, of the season is watching that develop because uh, the, the next time that a Brian Dutcher led team is not ready to play in March will be the first time. Yep. Yep. Well said. I, I think you, you hit on some great points there. Um, and I'm glad the critical perspective you took um, because I know a lot of Aztec nations just been over the moon about it and yeah, they see the stat line. I saw the stat line and um, you have, it, it's, it's not going to be as easier said than done. Um, and there will be question marks, but at the same time, the potential is there. You mentioned it a dozen times. There's the coaching staff is one of the best in the nation and they will figure it out and they will um, put the best lineup on the floor to put the team in the best position to win. Um, so with that, I'm going to wrap it up uh, from here. This is the San Diego state basketball podcast and um, do a couple plugs Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love a five-star review. Give us a comment. Um, any questions you have, you could tweet at us. Uh, my Twitter is at underscore ATARC. Uh, Paul, what is yours? At Padre de Cuatro. At Padre de Cuatro. Send us a, te- uh, send us a tweet. Um, 
We're also in the Facebook group chats, uh, the San Diego State Basketball Fan Club, I believe it's called. Um, we're responding there. Um, we're here to provide you news and provide uh, entertain uh, content um, that really hasn't been seen before. Uh, we had a tremendous interview with Jared Barnett here, and uh, we're just going to keep them going. Uh, look ahead. Jordan Shackle will be coming out next. Um, so with that, thank you very much for listening.